the fear of trying not to crack these spines was so real and I succeeded dude I bought winter because for the longest time you you could not find winter in paperback and especially the old cover because it came out hardback first and then like right after that they like never released the paperback Mm -hmm. Um, but then it finally they finally had the paperback so I found for a normal reasonable price the winter paperback in the old cover Ooh. so I bought it because I was like I don't care what condition it is in because it was online I was like I'm gonna own this so I have a complete set Mm -hmm. and it came with the spine cracked and I was like it's okay that's so sad it's fine it was so sad but you know it reads just the same there you have funny enough Hello, and welcome to Young Adult Adult Reviews, where two youngish adults review books meant for much younger adults. Or children. I'm Honor. And I'm Chloe, and this week we are discussing The Lunar Chronicles by Marissa Meyer. And if you haven't read it yet, here's the spoiler warning. We do have content warnings for this episode in the book. The trigger warnings are for manipulation and violence. All right, and without further ado, let's get into it. The Lunar Chronicles is a cyberpunk sci-fi retelling of four classic fairy tales that we all know and love. Cinderella, Little Red Riding Hood, Rapunzel, and Snow White. We open on a world set centuries in the future, 126 years after the Fourth World War has ravished the planet. Lynn Cinder is New Beijing's most talented mechanic, but due to a hovercraft accident, she was left with an amnesiac cyborg with a metal hand and metal leg. People tend to avoid her like the plague, except for her android bestie, Eco. Speaking of the plague, there is one. Letimosis, Blue Fever, claims thousands of lives daily, and a cure has not been found. Wow, that sounds kind of similar to our life, bestie. What? Anyway, Cinder is approached by another. (laughs) Cinder is approached by none other than Prince Kai, the dreamiest and only prince in the Eastern Commonwealth, to fix an android with top secret information inside it. Meanwhile, Prince Kai's father is dying from the plague, and in the meantime, he has to entertain their lunar political guests. Lunars are evolved humans who immigrated to a moon colony. And they've been there so long, they developed a skill called bioelectric manipulation, the ability to make people see, hear, and do whatever you want them to. They kind of suck, and the worst of all of them is Queen Lavana, who killed her sister and her niece, Princess Celine, when she was only three. Cinder finds that she's immune to the plague, and Dr. Erland, the lead doctor in charge of finding a cure, tells her it's because she's lunar too. Crazy! Erland explains that she's never been able to use bioelectrics because she's a shell, an ungifted lunar who cannot be manipulated themselves. Hijinks ensue, and Kai becomes more taken with Cinder as she performs more work on his android. She finds a direct communication chip that puts her in contact with Queen Lavana's lunar hacker. The hacker tells Cinder that Kai is in danger. Lavana intends to marry Kai and then kill him for the throne. Cinder has to get to the ball. At the ball, Cinder has a showdown with Lavana, and her cyborg brain allows her to overpower Lavana's bioelectricity. And surprise, she gives a display of her own. Lavana is furious, and Kai is forced to arrest her anyway. He's kind of grossed out with finding out about the whole cyborg lunar thing. Arlen finds Cinder in her cell and tells her that she is the lost Princess Selene gives her a new hand and leg, and tells her to meet him in Africa. (laughs) In book two, Cinder prison breaks with new ally cadet Captain Carswell Thorne. But not before we meet Scarlet, a girl in France whose grandmother is missing, and the police are not taking it seriously. On one of her deliveries from her farm, Scarlet meets a mysterious and broodingly handsome man, a street fighter who goes by the name of Wolf. Wolf finds Scarlet at her family's farm, and Scarlet realizes that he has the same tattoo that her father, also kidnapped but returned, describes her grandmother's kidnappers having. She demands answers. Wolf says that he's defected from his gang, but he'll help Scarlet return to their base of operations in Paris. They have the quickest romance I have ever read, with time from meeting to kiss being less than two days. Meanwhile, Cinder and Thorne have boarded a stolen spacecraft and are vibing in space. Cinder does not want to go to Africa, so instead she goes to France, where Kai's android reported information on a Michelle Benoit taking care of Princess Celine. In a move surprising no one, Wolf double-crosses Scarlet, and there's a very cool take on the whole Wolf is Grandmother thing involving lunar bioelectrics. And Wolf is not from a gang at all, but rather he's a lunar special operative, Wolf Mutant Soldier. Crazy. Scarlet is imprisoned, and Wolf approaches her, saying that Luna is beginning their attack on Earth tonight. He gives Scarlet a key to her cell, and she's able to escape. Maybe he's not so bad after all. Cinder and Thorne have found a lab on Benoit Farms where Princess Celine had been suspended for eight years while she was being healed. 
Thorne still does not realize that Cinder is Princess Celine somehow. Anyway, they go to Paris to trail Scarlet and ask her questions. The gang finally meets up and Cinder shoots Wolf with a trank dart because she thinks he's going to attack Scarlet. In a battle with Wolf's thaumaturge, Cinder manages to control one soldier and they all escape on a rampion into space. It was a crazy feat that Cinder was able to use her bioelectrics like that, Wolf tells her. He promises to help her train, and soon they might be able to start a revolution to return her to the rightful throne. In book three, we return to the hacker from book one. Her name is Cress, and she's being held on a satellite orbiting Earth against her will. Cinder and the others try to jailbreak her, but everything goes horribly wrong. The gang gets split up, with Thorn and Cress crashing down to Earth and landing in the Sahara, Scarlet being kidnapped to Luna, and Cinder and Wolf taking possession of a lunar pilot who appears to be on their side. Cress and Thorn share a beautiful slow burn romance as he goes blind and they fight for their survival. Cress, Wolf, and Jason, the pilot, go down to Africa to meet with Dr. Erlond. Scarlet gets tortured before being taken in as a pet by Princess Winter of Luna. The gang meets back up again, minus Scarlet, and they infiltrate the royal wedding and manage to kidnap Prince Kai. He's really sorry about being upset about the whole cyborg thing. I cannot take you seriously. <laughs> you do that. As you shouldn't take me seriously. Guy is kind of happy to be out of that situation. He and Cinder smooch or whatever. And Cinder explains to Kai that he needs to convince Levana to hold the wedding on the moon. They need to bring the revolution to her. In book four, we meet Princess Winter. She has gone insane from refusing to use her lunar gift. Jason, her personal guard, cares for her deeply, but it's a forbidden romance. The Rampian crew manages to get on the moon, but as to be expected, most things go wrong. They end up getting split up almost immediately with Cinder, Thorn, and Wolf ending up in a mining sector and meeting up with Wolf's mother. Cress is trapped in the palace, but is able to infiltrate the broadcasting system with the help of Jason and Winter. Levana is pissed at this turn of events and blames the civil unrest on the people loving Winter more than her. So she calls Jason to kill Winter and make it snappy. Jason helps Winter escape by faking her death with Scarlet escaping her. Press stays in the castle to do hacker shit. Anyway, the wedding happens, the coronation happens, but Cinder is planning a revolution in the outer sectors by helping the lower classes rise up. They siege the castle, reveal Ivana's glamour, with only a dozen or so near-death experiences spread among the gang. They finally institute Cinder on the throne of Luna. Everyone gets their happily ever after. For real. The end. So what did you think about the book series, Bestie? This is your first time reading it. I am most impressed with my ability to make winter the longest book, the shortest summary. There was so much in there and it was all very good. I really enjoyed reading this series for the first time. As you know, I read Cinder in one sitting. Came home from work that night, just didn't put it down. Super easy read. Totally not because we were competing to see who was going to finish it that night. And you went to try to put it down. And I said, oh, I'm almost done. And you said, fuck, I got to finish now. <laughs> Literally, that's exactly what happened. I was like, oh, <laughs> fuck. I guess I do only have like 150 pages left. And then I just didn't put it down. And it was fine. My least favorite book was probably Scarlet. Just because, you know, that vine where it's like, what the fuck? Is this allowed? Is this allowed? That's <laughs> me with Wolf and Scarlet every single one of their interactions (laughs) and then scarlet is like stop that's that's them you just know there's some kinky stuff going on in there i'm (laughs) literally afraid of them stop literally (laughs) no but it's like it's really cute um i think my favorite book was probably either cress or winter because winter was just like a culmination and something that i really love that marissa meyer did with the series is that she has such a wonderful way of building it up and introducing these characters because in the first book of course it's just cinder and kai and then we have cinder kai carswell scarlet and wolf and then we build up to cress and then kind of change the dynamics a little bit and we add jason in there for a hot second and then finally we have winter who's like the final missing piece of the puzzle and we are finally at peak rampion crew moment you know mm-hmm. i don't know i love the characters i love how she retold this it was retold in such a way that at times i forgot it was a retelling <laughs> of fairy tales that's um, good no right and then like because if I didn't think about it too hard I wouldn't see the twist coming and then I did finally I did mention to you when I was reading winter it took me until after they had left the mining sector to make the connection to the seven dwarves and I was like oh I'm dumb I'm I tried stupid. counting them though and I'm pretty sure there's not seven of them which I also of- tried counting them there's not seven 
there's not seven that's the only thing that i was like a little sad about is there weren't seven of them down there but because yeah, who was it it was first we had winter but we're not counting her yeah because uh, she's so white yeah because she's so no we white. had we had cinder and eco and wolf and thorn and scarlet and well she ma. came later and ma mama kesley so that leaves one we needed one more Cress was with them in spirit i guess she like appeared as a holograph for a hot sec well yeah and i don't think jason didn't really come so jason was still in the palace yeah so they they were so close but i think it would be funny to try to guess who's which dwarf cinder is grumpy for sure (laughs) right if jason's not there it's cinder cinder's grumpy wolf would be broody i feel like he's yeah he's brooding (laughs) that's not a real dwarf but like not a that's not a dwarf well i feel like i go eco i feel like eco is happy oh for sure for sure like she just made the most of that i feel like doc would be mama kesley probably she's kind of taking care of them all yeah and like she dies doc dies it kind of fits thorn is dopey (laughs) (laughs) cinder's grumpy yeah wolf is angry (laughs) angry was angry the name of a dwarf? Are we going to spend this whole episode assigning dwarf names <laughs> to people? No, I'm sorry. I'll stop. <laughs> it's funny though, right? No, I'm gonna it give is him, funny. I'm going to give him Sneezy just because. That's a good one. With I, all those heightened wolf senses, senses, I feel like allergy season sucks for him. <laughs> oh my God. Especially after he became a like the ugly version. Sorry, wolf. I didn't mean it. <laughs> after Scarlet became a monster fucker, like for real. <laughs> Scarlet and Wolf was your favorite couple as a kid. You definitely like are a little bit into furries now. You definitely like like tentacle porn and mo- you fuck monsters now. You want to fuck monsters if you if Scarlet and Wolf was your favorite couple when you were a kid. Oh my god, I'm not joking. I <laughs> know you're not. That's why it's funny. No, I would like to talk to someone who Scarlet and Wolf was their favorite couple, and I would like to look them into the eyes and have them tell me truthfully that they do not want to fuck a monster. I'm not kink shaming. I'm just stating facts. Scarlet literally talking at the end about how they're going to have wolf puppies. (laughs) That whole conversation where she was like, maybe I could be your alpha. I was like, I was like, Omegaverse, Omegaverse, I can't. The fact, okay, the fact that they hadn't been around each other for months and the other wolves could smell him on her. They fucked on the train. I'm not even joking. They fucked on the train, like, for sure. (laughs) All I'm saying is that there are incredible age gaps between every single couple except for them, and I think there's a fucking reason. I think there's a fucking reason. There's a reason why Scarlett's the only one that's 18. (laughs) Oh, my God. Anyway. (laughs) Anyway, how was the pacing of this book for you? I thought the pacing was really good. Like, I was worried about winter heading in because... I think literally the week before we started reading this, I saw a TikTok about winter and about how it needed to be printed on thinner pages because mm-hmm. it was so much. And I was like, uh, and I was so worried that I wasn't going to be able to get through it. But the pacing was fine. I think what keeps it so fresh is the constant switching of character perspectives. Mm-hmm. I think that definitely like shakes it up a little bit. And just when you think that you might put it down, you go back to this character that you haven't heard from in a minute and you're like, okay, let me read this chapter. And then you're like invested again. Mm -hmm. I think another thing that was really good about this, Cinder was Marissa's first book, I believe. Mm -hmm. And so the rest kind of came after as she learned more about writing, became more comfortable in her skills and editing and all of that. So you can see the progression of her writing as you go through the books. And I think because of that buildup with the reader, it delves you farther into the series with Mm -hmm. the writing development. So I think that really helps with the pacing as well. That said though, even though Cinder was her first book, if you will, which I'm going to get into what I learned in my research about that later, because I Mm -hmm. totally got the vibes. But anyway, this series still nonetheless felt very well planned out Mm -hmm. like seeds were being planted in book one for shit that happened in book four which I thought was so incredibly amazing they mentioned Princess Winter and they mentioned like the mutant wolf soldiers which carried into book four and book two 
And then Cress, of course, coming in in book one to book three. I, I just felt like this series was just very well planned out. And I, I read it pretty quickly. And I don't think I noticed any plot holes particularly either. That's good. There was, because I, I did a little bit of research too, there was supposed to be a one more book along with this series. I did get that um, vibe. Yeah, but because Winter wrapped up so nicely, she didn't end up writing that one. She also mentioned at the time of these books, though, that she wanted to write a Rumpelstiltskin retelling, which she is writing. It's Wait, I didn't know soon. that. Wait, that's exciting. Right? Because I, really I found that out that. and I was like, I have to tell you because I, I was like, we just talked about that. <laughs> While we are talking about Cinder being her first novel, though, and just like along those lines, I believe they first mentioned Princess Celine on page 44. You can definitely tell that foreshadowing is not Marissa's strongest suit here because she'll like bring something up and then it literally happens two pages later, especially in Scarlet and Cinder. Like she definitely buries those seeds in book one, but for big reveals, you can see them coming from like a mile away and it is the funniest thing. Like in Scarlet, I literally think there's this moment where Wolf and Scarlet are like sitting around the fire and Wolf is like, you got any siblings? And Scarlet's like, no, what about you? And he's like, I have a brother. And then his brother appears like, hello. (laughs) Just coming out of the shadows. (laughs) And then she's like, I know that guy (laughs) who they met on the train two pages before. So he definitely smelled him on her too. He was like, I guess I should bring this up before it gets problematic. (laughs) Well, also he was like asking leading as hell questions to find out about Cinder. I don't know why they sent him on like an undercover mission because he was not subtle at all. And I'm amazed that Scarlet did not figure him out from the start. Literally, like their whole mission was to figure out what Scarlet knew about Michelle Benoit with taking care of Cinder. Princess Celine. That had actually happened. Yeah. yeah. Princess Celine. Surprise. Princess Celine is Cinder. What? Mm-hmm. Cinder is Princess Celine. Uh, read the book series to find out. <laughs> <laughs> no, because like, I think they first mentioned Celine on page 44. And that was before we even knew Cinder was Lunar. And I was like, oh, so Cinder's Princess Celine. Mm-hmm. But I did read the name Princess Celine and I was like, Princess Celine from the moon, is that a Sailor Moon reference? And I like texted you about that and you were like, no, I don't think so. And then I looked it up and Cinder was Sailor Moon fan fiction. So I was right. (laughs) In my defense, I did also mention that I haven't seen or watched or read Sailor Moon. So I didn't know for sure. You haven't haven't seen Sailor Moon? No, that's why I was like, I don't know. I feel like it would be so up your alley. I, I probably it. would be. Uh, anyway, anyway, I'm not talking about that. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I like, I can totally imagine Kaya's tuxedo mask. I'm sorry. But I can't imagine, I can't quite imagine Usagi as Cinder. I can't quite imagine that. So she definitely like took some liberties after deciding to pursue it seriously. And I appreciate that. That's all I had to say about that thread. I'm going to ask you a question now. Oh, exciting. So you have read this book before, Honor. I have a few thoughts to pursue about that. How are those nostalgia goggles holding up? And was there anything that surprised you on your second read through? Nostalgia goggles held up excellently. For the most part, was a lot better on the read through because just I was just so excited. I knew it was happening. I like I could fall in love with the characters all over again. My favorite being Crescent Thorn. I was so excited to get to their story and you were like so you have the new books and I have the old books Mm -hmm. for the covers and you were sending me the pictures they had in the books and you sent me the one of Crescent Thorne you were like who is he he's so hot and I couldn't tell you because you were still in Scarlet did I say that yeah I can't remember saying that you did you were like who is he and I was like oh my god she has no clue and I was like but that fan art looks so good. And I was like was so fangirling good. over it. So yeah, all of the like excitement that I got and this nostalgia, just like I, it really helped me with the rereads. It held up excellently. Nothing really surprised me too much other than I saw more of the buildup of how the books kind of developed. Because if you look at Cinder and you look at Winter, they're very drastically written. Oh, absolutely. So I paid a lot more attention to kind of the style it was written in, which was fun. And also some of the like references to things were like, like you kind of would brush off as a kid, like Scarlet and Wolf getting it on kind of thing. <laughs> not not even that they necessarily did it during the story, which they probably did. But the fact they were that- They were sharing a room during winter. Are you kidding me at the end? 
And then the Eco walked that in they were right going in, to. If Eco hadn't walked in, they would have fucked right then and there. Literally. But that's the whole thing is like, I brushed all of that off as a kid. I was like, oh, that's so cute. They're so romantic. And now I'm like, she, <laughs> she's kinky. <laughs> I was like, she's, she's got a thing for, for beasts. No. And then, okay. I did notice that Scarlet in general was kind of more sexualized than all of the other characters. And I don't know if that's just because canonically she's 18, but she's like getting groped on Luna. Ran, Wolf's brother, literally threatens to rape her. Mm -hmm. But then he like tries to qualify it. He's like, if I didn't think it was so disgusting, I'd have you right now just to see the look on my brother's face. And I was like, what the fuck? And then it just came out of nowhere. I was like, what the hell? But she went through a lot more than the other characters with the oh my sexual God. references. Scarlet got fucked in Crescent Lunar, just getting kidnapped and then tortured and then kept in a cage. And then she got out of the cage and with her crazy friend, friend, kind of. Winter was trying her best. <laughs> Winter was doing all she knew how to do. <laughs> we'll talk about Winter. And then she got out and then she like immediately got the play. <laughs> And then she finds out that her boyfriend went through this horrible body altering surgery and she's like ready to go back to the farm, which is like kind of cute, but. Literally all she wanted to do was go back to the farm and just live a normal life. And they were like, here's all the worst possible things that could happen in your life. And she was like, no, thank you. I would like my farm, please. She's like, I want my farm and my man, please. Also, but can we talk about Crest taking care of the farm money for her so that it would be there when she got back? Cass was like, I know you got kidnapped, but I'll do what I can. Right? Okay, I really wish that we got to see a Scarlet and Cress interaction. I know. Because before before they were planning on jailbreaking Cress, Scarlet was like, okay, everyone be nice because she's probably not very socialized. And I was like so ready for that interaction. It just never happened. I was so sad about that. I think they would have bonded so well together. Thorn would have been like, uh. <laughs> it would have been so good. They would have made fun of him for sure. Right? <laughs> the Missing Fingers Club with Cress. <laughs> <laughs> the Missing Fingers Club is like top tier comedy right there. I'm like, they're so funny. They're like, this sucks, but also kind of funny. <laughs> oh, we guess you can join Cinder. <laughs> Like, technically, you lost the whole hand, but I guess that includes fingers. Yeah, you can try it. (laughs) Okay, so we have read Heartless, also by Marissa Meyer, on this podcast. How would you say that compares to the Lunar Chronicles? I personally think there's a lot of comparison more towards the end of the series, especially with Winter specifically. Just because Winter is kind of, she's kind of gone crazy from the bioelectricity, or not using her bioelectricity. And so you see a lot of that whimsical characteristics in her that you see in Heartless. Mm -hmm. I think because of that, there's some prose that is similar within Winter in Heartless. But I think overall, they're they're very different books. The similarity is mostly just they're both retellings of a fairy tale. Mm -hmm. But I think they're both excellently written. They held up really well to each other. I feel like Cinder or Lunar Chronicles just has a lot more going on altogether just because it's such a massive storyline and there's so many interacting characters and plot lines and things that Heartless doesn't really have because it's just a standalone book but I love both I think they're wonderful wonderful books I think there's a lot you can compare and contrast with them what about you I would agree yeah because I was reading Cinder And it did not occur to me until like the end of the book. I was like, oh, this is also the woman that wrote Heartless because they just read like two totally different books. And I would agree with you. Like you see more of that whimsical prose evident in Winter, kind of similar to Heartless. And I don't know if that's just because of kind of a similarity in character traits between two of the main characters in those books. But well, it's it's either that or it's just because her writing had to develop to the point that you could see the similarity in there. She had started to create her own style of writing versus Cinder, you can tell she's still trying to figure it out because if you compare Cinder and Winter, they also feel like drastically different authors, even though they're not. I feel like the series is still tonally consistent though, like from Cinder to Winter. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying it's like a bad thing. It's just different. And I loved both Heartless and the Lunar Chronicles. So I'm not trying to like trash on them or anything. I think that it reflects very well on Marissa Meyer that she's able to adapt 
two storylines so tonally to the worlds that they exist in. Because you can't use old English, not literally old English, but like ye old English, you know, to like write about a sci-fi world, just like you couldn't use the language in Cinder to write about Heartless. So Mm -hmm. I think it reflects very well on her talents as a writer that she's able to make that differentiation tonally. And what, when did Heartless come out? Was that like 2012? 2016. Okay, so the Heartless was published immediately after the the Lunar Chronicles finished. That mm-hmm. was her first standalone. Well, that explains why there's a lot of similarities between Winter and Heartless then because there was kind of there's a transition period, so mm-hmm. But it was she like might have even been after. writing them at the same time. Mhm. But That's kind of fun though. Isn't it? Isn't that fun? I like that, I like that transition. I love this series. It was very easy to read. It was written in a way that was easy to read. And I don't know if that was like the prose or just the overall tonality of it. But overall, very much enjoyed how this mm-hmm. how the series was written. I know this was a reread for me. Mm-hmm. So my question is, would you reread this book? And why or why not? Maybe in like a few years, I might. And I might do it if they ever fucking option the film rights again (laughs) because I believe in our research that's been going for years (laughs) nothing has come from it it's probably in like the void or something and someone at a studio is waiting for someone else to buy it or someone else to be like hey I can do something with this it'd have Mm -hmm. to be a tv show though it wouldn't be able to be a movie it would be so good though maybe it could be a movie but winter they'd have to do the thing where they make the last book two movies two yeah they would because winter's just so much it's such a beast and you could probably cut it you could cut it after cinder dives off the balcony mm-hmm. oh, the drama with that when it's just her like falling or like sinking into the lake and then mm-hmm. they just cut the screen to the end credits and you're like yeah, <gasps> at that point at that point it's also just scarlet really... and winter dying of the plague oh my god that that would be so good Wouldn't so it? good listen all I'm saying is that if this ever gets adapted in the near future, Aaron Kellyman has to play Scarlet. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm literally going to riot if she does <laughs> not play Scarlet. Because she's perfect. She's perfect for the role. Uh, and she's such a talented actress, too. I don't know. I just want to see her. Just slide into her DMs and be like, I picture you as this character from this book. That you've probably never read. <laughs> Thank you. Honor, I have a question for you. Who was your favorite character and why? Thorn. Thorn? Thorn. He is so wild card. It's so funny. He's so like out there. He doesn't care what's really happening. He's like, oh, you might think that I'm not a captain, but I am. And (laughs) every interaction he has with every other character is so sarcastic and funny and everyone's annoyed by him, but they love him to death. And Cinder's like, no, you're not a captain. Like I can literally see that. And he's like, I'm a captain. I am. (laughs) I am. Who said that? Who said I wasn't a captain? They're lying. (laughs) Literally. And then he like flirts with anything that moves. And it's so funny. And everyone's like, can you not? And he's like, this is my signature trait. What do you want from me? (laughs) He's like, this and stealing. It's all I got, man. (laughs) Before I knew he was going to be a main player, I texted you this. I was like, why do I feel like Carswell's going to get like this side character arc where he's like the silly goofy guy and he's gonna martyr himself heroically for some something and then you didn't respond to that and I was like I don't like that you're not responding but then I read book three and I was like oh okay so he's like there were some choice things I did not there were some choice things I did not respond to you about for good reason (laughs) I like Thorn too as a character I don't I'm gonna have to think about if he's my favorite character or not but I I just get sold every time. And the fact that the last book, the the very last fight scene, it's him and Cinder and Lavana all in the same room and Lavana is controlling him and about to like basically force him to jump over the ledge into the lake and drown kind of thing. And Cinder's like, please don't do that. And he's like, what? I don't like, I don't care. Do it. Make me jump. I don't give a shit. (laughs) He's like literally joking about the whole thing. He's so casual and calm and collected about it. And Cinder's like, dude, you could die. (laughs) She's like, if I back up a step, is Lavana going to be nice and let you move forward a step? And Lavana's like, nah, bitch. (laughs) I think the funniest part about that interaction was the part where Thorne was addressing Lavana. And he was like, now let's think this through. Now you could ask me to jump. And she was like, jump. (laughs) (laughs) And he's like, whoa, 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 whoa. And then she's like, goodbye. 
I like Thorin a lot, I think, because he is the morally gray villain. He is the Flynn Rider of this universe. So like sweet about it too, because even though he has ambiguous legal morals, he still cares very deeply about his friends. And he does. He's just like, he's that character who's like kind of a flirt, but he loves everyone. He loves his friends and he will go to bat for them when he needs to. And I think, I think that's what Cress was always seeing in him. I don't necessarily think it's about like being noble and always having a reason to do shitty things. Like not shitty things. Well, he did steal like priceless historical artifacts and deserted the American military, leaving his crew stranded on an island. And we never got a reason for that. We never did get a reason for that one. I'd like to hear your explanation for that, Carswell. Doesn't matter. (laughs) Doesn't matter. He's handsome. But (laughs) I think that Cress always really admired that about him because she saw his loyalty among all else. And Mm -hmm. that only magnified in the desert, of course, because she was like, I'm suffering right now, but I know that he must be suffering too. Mm -hmm. And he's not saying anything about it. So I'm not going to say anything about it because I need to be strong for him just like how he's being strong for me. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what also makes the relationship so cute. We're going to ignore the fact that he's 20 and she's 16. We're going to ignore it. Yeah. But also I really liked the fact that he, you know, she had this idea of him before she even met him. And she's like, mm-hmm. I'm in love with you. And he's like, you don't really know me. And you know, he flirted with everything that he saw, but when it came to Crest, he was like, look, let's be realistic. Mm-hmm. Like you, you really don't know me. I'm mm-hmm. not as good of a guy as you think I am, but he was so sweet and careful to her about the whole thing. And he was like, I know you think you like me, but that's not real. And I'm going to make you see the truth. Because he could have just as easily taken that and used it against her. And he said, no, I'm going to make sure that this is a real thing. And I'm not going to do anything about it. Because he's not a scumbag. Because he's not a scumbag. Just because you are a bad guy does not mean you are a bad guy. You know? Morally light gray. (laughs) (laughs) No, okay. My favorite line from Cress, I think was after they like reunited in Falafra or whatever. He has an escort droid with him that he bought for Eco's body. And Cinder's like, so what about this mistress of yours? And he's like, don't talk about Crest like that. And she's like, what? <laughs> and then he's like, oh, the escort droid. Right. He has such good one-liners. Like he carried the whole show, man. <laughs> he single-handedly was the only comedic force right? on the entire Ramprian crew. He was... Is his back sore? Like, he's like full <laughs> he of muscle. carried the whole thing. Yeah, from like all the jokes he was making. Like, everyone else was such a fucking downer. Wolf, he literally when he got- was separated from Scarlet, I was about to like throttle Wolf. I wanted to uh. throttle Wolf. He was like, ooh, Scarlet, I missed her. And then like Jason got separated from Winter Wolf in became- book four. Wolf became emo. <laughs> literally. No, but then Jason got separated from Winter in book four and Wolf was like, get over it it's like fuck you man you were moping around for months yeah yep and (laughs) the whole part where he was like oh i'm not gonna kiss you because she was like i'm gonna die right now i have a fever because she probably never gotten sick in her life before and he was like i'm not you're not dying i'm not gonna kiss you until you're actually dying and she was like you promise and he was like yeah yeah sure and then they get to this scene in winter. No, or, it's in Crest. It winter? In Crest. They get to this end scene in Crest. And there's this huge battle going on. And Crest is standing there behind Thorn. And Thorn's like, who's around us? What's going on? And she's trying to describe it to him. And he goes, oh, shit. Okay. And then he turns around and just fucking gives her the kiss of life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he's like, let's get to it, baby. Pow, pow. <laughs> and then in winter, when she shoots his fingers off to prevent him from hurting Cinder, He's still like, nice aim, babe. To a he's so, he's so proud of her. He's so she supportive. Stopped him, and she's like, I just shot you, and he's like, I'm so proud. You, you did a great job. Carswell <laughs> Thorne has bi wife energy. He does. Oh my god, he does. He, he does. The he's the best character to me. I mean, he's my favorite. Okay, I've talked way too long about that one. What? Who's your favorite character? <laughs> No, I'm glad we did a little character study on Thorn. You know what? I'm going to go for the other side of the coin and say that my favorite character was Cress. Yeah, I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it's tied between Cress and Jason. I like Cress because I really like the way that she approaches the world that she has observed from afar from so long. And now she finally finds herself in the middle of it, not knowing what to do. 
And I think they have this really interesting way of like having her integrate into the, the world without infantilizing her, which I mm-hmm. so appreciate, especially with the age gap between her and Thorne. That's like already kind of sketchy. I'm not going to lie. It's sketchy. But I love her just like taking a breath and being like, I am an actress. I am an explorer. I am a criminal mastermind kind of thing. And she plays these characters to help get her through her life because she's a creative person. She expresses herself through her code. And that code is kind of, I would argue it's like almost an artistic expression and extension of herself, especially in like Little Crest. But I just really like that the way that they had her exploring the world around her and like learning new things because she honestly didn't struggle too much with social integration except for the whole like talking to herself thing. But it was also kind of cute when Thorne was just like, you know what, Scarlet warned me this might happen. I just have to, like, take this with a grain of salt. And no one, like, judges her too harshly for it. And they're very kind to her and patient. And she tries her best. And in the end, she, like, turns into someone who, like, doesn't really think she's super capable. And she's not super confident in her own skin. And she's very hesitant about everything that she does. To someone who, like, crawls out of hiding because she knows she's going to be found eventually and starts waving a gun around. And she's like, listen up. (laughs) Which is so funny because... She's probably what, like four nine, five yeah. feet. She's, Pops. I think, no, she's like five two or something. Five two, good for her. Short five queen, two, five three. Yeah, she's just this little ball of anxiety who manages to do great things, and I really appreciate her because I relate to the ball of anxiety part. And then my other favorite character, I would say, is Jason, which might be kind of a controversial take, but I really appreciate Jason because I think he's funny. <laughs> I think Jason is funny because he doesn't try to be. He tries to be grumpy. But also, this is going to segue into my next question. What's your favorite couple? It is so close of a tie for me between Winter and Jason and Thorn and Cress. I love Winter and Jason so much because I just really like the trope where he's grumpy to everyone else, but like a ball of sunshine to the person that he loves. Mm -hmm. And the way that he just like looks at Winter and talks to her and the way that they interact is like so cute. And I wish... There could be more of them because I want that so badly <laughs> because I just want to see their dynamics more. It's such a shame that they didn't come in as a couple until the last book because I didn't get to see anything about them. I don't know. That's just me. That's fair. I wasn't as huge of a fan of Jason and that's just because he didn't have any belief in anyone besides Winter. And even then, it was still wasn't like fully there. Mm-hmm. So that just kind of threw me off a little because I, I love the grumpy and like happy trope. Like that that's just great that that's a wonderful trope but I don't know there's something about the way he he does it it's done really well when you see it from winter's perspective but when he's away from winter he literally is just like I don't give a shit I'm not gonna help you even if it's something that could help her I guess that's fair but also I would like to argue the fact that he took Cress into his care and he's like listen winter's my number one but you are right underneath her and he promises to protect Cress as well yeah but he only did that because winter like begged him to because if winter hadn't done that he'd have been like i don't give two shits well no because here's the thing i think that he admired how he was willing to sacrifice herself to help her friends and he saw a little bit of himself in crest because the whole thing i think the scene where crest really ingratiated herself to him was when he was telling her to run away with winter and scarlet and she's like listen I would love to, but I know that I can't because I will be more useful here. And he's like, Mm -hmm. you realize that if you stay here, it's probably suicide, right? And she's like, that's a chance I'm willing to take. And I think that is the moment where Cress gained his respect. And Jason is kind of a hard person to get respect from. But once you have it, you have it. I think think that's probably what I dislike the most is because like Cinder should have earned it, but he didn't give it to her. He didn't give it to her until a little bit later. He didn't give it to her until the very end. I guess that's fair. That's fair And even say. then he was like, eh, Princess Winter, I don't give a fuck about you, Cinder. <laughs> Which is fair, because like, Princess Winter is his girl. But it was still like, okay, sure. I I'm just... mostly just mad about the whole, he ditched them during the Kai situation. But whatever, that's the whole thing. Anyway, so my favorite couple is Thorn and Cress. <laughs> Of course. Shocker. Shocker. Yeah, the ages are really, really awkward right now, but I think Thorne is respectful enough that he's going to make everything wait until she's old enough and ready. In which case, if she's like 20, he's 24. It's not that weird. Yeah, it's not weird when you're 20 and 24. It's weird when you're 16 and 20. I feel like, and I'm going to imagine that he is very respectful and waits the entire time. And then they have have their moment. They can have their moment in two years. Right? It's fine. Yeah, um, they're so cute. What What else do you really appreciate about their dynamic? 
the whole fact that she was like, I'm in love with you. And he's like, no, you're not. You're really not. Let me explain why, first of all. (laughs) And she's like, I still see the good in you, even though you're trying to tell me that you're not good. And then as they kind of, you know, are are going through the Sahara and all those moments, they're kind of bonding together, even though they don't realize it. And when he loses her because she got kidnapped, Mm -hmm. (laughs) gets kidnapped so much literally it's so funny <laughs> or she just gets like separated left behind, and left behind. Like something yeah but she like, like hides so in a cabinet moments. or something <laughs> and the fact that he was like oh wait a second I like I need to go get her I care about her I'm I'm supposed to be protecting her and he doesn't want to like admit it to himself that there's more of a reason that he cares about her other than that he owes her something because that's kind of what he seems to think in that moment and just that the, it's the slow burn it really is the slow Mm. development between the two where they both start to figure it out because there is a transition moment where her feelings stop being what she imagined and start being who he actually is and you can start and it was better thoughts and it was better Mm -hmm. because she saw the good and the bad and she said I love it all Mm -hmm. and but because before she was only like I see what you're doing good from what you're doing bad and it's like no that's not how that works (laughs) Mm -hmm. and then he started to realize that oh maybe I like you too and then they have the whole moments with the moments where they're like looking at each other and trying to figure out if the other one still has feelings because they've realized that they have feelings for the other one but thinks the other one doesn't have that yet or anymore or yada yada it's so good and then towards the end where you see them go into the coronation or was it the wedding it was one of the the coronation yeah they go into the coronation together and she's like all dressed up and he's in there too and they're going through the castle and some of the lunars approach him and they like use their bioelectricity to manipulate him into kissing one of them crest is all mad about it she doesn't know that he likes her at this point and he's Mm -hmm. like well they looked like you i said i love you to you because that's who i was seeing and she's like hold up what Well, first of all, she was like, she was like, wait a minute, they look like me. And he was like, yes. And then she was like, you told them that you loved them. And he was like, about that. And it was so <laughs> good. That part made me so happy. That part scratched an itch. Okay. So like right? for me, for me, it's like Thorn and Crest slow burn or Jason and Winter childhood best friends forbidden romance. And it's just, I can't decide which one I like more because something else I've- that I really appreciate about Jason is that part of his character is like him closing himself off and trying not to feel anything and I love that fucking trope when it's like it's I'm not so gonna feel weird. anything and it's like you're gonna feel things you're gonna feel but she's like anyway. she's like I'm gonna make it happen my the literally the scene that I always fall in love with those two is when he's standing out guard outside her door and he's mm-hmm. like we can't have any interactions and she's like oh okay so then she just grabs all her stuff and she sits down next to him and she starts doing stuff and he's kind of like about it like fine you know Mm -hmm. kind of thing and he's like trying to ignore her and she just kind of leans on to him and and, oh my god she's like sorry i didn't see you right those interactions with them are so good they're so cute the scene where i fell in love with them was after he gets publicly flagellated which sounds a lot dirtier than it actually is he's still like chilling in his 40 hours of penance or whatever and winter comes up to him and he sees her coming and he just smiles and he says hey treble and i was like sold sold right i love that he was also like he was like you better not have fucking brought me food (laughs) (laughs) he's like i love and respect you but i also know you'd still try it (laughs) he lets her see his little soft voice side and it's so cute yeah kai and cinder are okay scarlet and wolf aren't it for me it might be someone's I don't want to yuck anyone's yum. It might be someone's yum, but it's my yuck personally. I love their support of each other. And in a little way, because I'm I'm very much like you should be independent in your relationship, but I love that they have a little bit of dependence on each other. Mm-hmm. The wolf, like just fucking losing his mind when she was gone was like very wolf. And it was like great for a minute, but after a while it was like- got annoying. Like it really did. So it lost me there, but Mm -hmm. there there was a lot that was good about them. And then I think the problem with Cinder and Kai is you never see them other than in the first book in a non-formal setting. Unless you read Stars of Blood, I believe. Yeah. 
other than when they're in those non-formal settings, you don't really get to see the true interactions between them. And I think that just loses something. And they were so quickly pitted against each other. And then uh-huh. Kai had all of the the drama of like, oh, I have to be politically correct with everything that's happening. And then he like married her aunt and that's a whole other problem because, okay, so technically he's her uncle now. Mm-hmm. And she's like, um, you may be a widower now, but I'll still marry you. Even though like technically you were my uncle for like a good while. <laughs> Not like a good, it was like a week, maybe tops. Uh-huh. But I, that's a good while of unclehood. I think how it's so funny where Kai was just like, oh, we'll annul it. We'll annul, we'll annul that little mistake. And Cinder was like, little mistake. Right? I still think it's funnier though, when the first time he met, Kai met Princess Winter and she was like, oh, you're going to be my dad, my stepdad. And he was like, oh my God. Kai was like kind of blushing because everyone blushes because Winter's so pretty. And she's like, hi, stepdad. And he's like, mm. <laughs> He's like, so that's gross. Um, Because like a minute ago, he was like, wow, she's beautiful. And then she was like, step down. And he was like, oh my God. Very (laughs) funny. That That was peak humor on Winter's part. Winter is so funny. She really is. Can we talk about the amount of pretty privilege she has? Like none of the other characters have it. But I also love that she is a person of color and she Mm -hmm. has the pretty privilege. And everyone's like, oh my God, she's she's beautiful and she has it without the manipulation I was like yes that's how we do it I think that's how we do it no and I don't know if this is canonical or not but I do imagine Cinder is Asian even though she technically came from like the U- the European Union I and now too. she's well, living she in technically Cuba came Beijing. from Lunar she technically Luna. came from Lunar but like also like after that the European Union and then she went to New Beijing but I do imagine her as Asian and I think a lot of I fan art picture that way as well which I really appreciate because they're never too specific in Cinder's description specifically. I think it's like dark hair and dark eyes, mm-hmm. but like they don't really like say anything by way of ethnicity, which I really appreciate because it allows a lot of variation in the fan art, I guess. Uh, well, it allows and... people more of a chance to put themselves in the character. Mm-hmm. I would agree with that. Uh, but the fan art on the inside of the covers is so incredibly gorgeous. It, it's beautiful. Scarlet is kind of a miss. I'm not going to lie. Scarlet's- but everyone cool. else... They were like jumping out of the train, but the framing's weird. I'm sorry. Like, I don't mean to talk <laughs> garbage about it. He's jumping out of the train. I don't know. Scarlet looks weird and her fingers are all spindly. I don't, this one just like doesn't hit the same as Winter Crescent and Thorn. Spins. Which was, I don't think you sent me that one. I did. And you said Crescent Thorns is better still. Oh yeah. But that was a good scene because he's got the knife and yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that okay. one was really good. If you were to see any other retellings added into the series, which one would you like? Interestingly enough, I would like to see a Beauty and the Beast moment because Scarlet and Wolf kind of evolved into Beauty and the Beast. They did. It started Except as Little Red Riding Hood and it went, went from there. He went more beast than less beast. Yeah, it was. A, <laughs> I joked that it was like a Shrek moment. <laughs> and then I believe in Stars Above, Rosa Meyer also has a story called The Little Android, which is retelling of The Little Mermaid. But I would argue that Iko is almost the little android in her own right, because she's spending all this time. She's like, I'm practicing my sarcasm. I want to be human. And, and then she meets this guard who's like, kind of like, she thinks he's very pretty, but he's kind of a he's jerk. And I really hope- Absolutely disgusted by her. He was like, what are you? And she's like, well, that's rude. <laughs> Literally, she's like, that's me. It's, it's her enemies to lovers origin story, and you cannot tell me I'm wrong. No, and that's why I wish there was a, I didn't know they were planning a fifth book. There were still threads that you can follow after winter. And I would have really appreciated seeing those because right? Eco and Kinney could have been a thing. The journey of making Luna into a democratic republic or whatever Cinder wanted to do with it. Them like reuniting at the ball. I don't know exactly what the conflict would be. So maybe that's where like it got all hung up. But I want to see more of the characters. You know? Right. I want to see what are they up to? What are they doing? I more wanna... mini stories. <laughs> yeah, which I guess is just stars above. But I want more stars yeah. above. But I haven't read could... stars above yet, but I want to. You could easily have a series still in this world that has all of our main characters as now like side characters and create a whole new drama conflict for mm-hmm. a new set of fairy tales i would agree very easily that. especially because there were threads left mm-hmm. 
I feel like it would be easy to do like a more explicit beauty and the beast thing with maybe like oh lunars are emigrating to earth and they look like they're like beasts or whatever and then like it's like an earthen girl who falls in love with a lunar man and she's like oh my god he's a beast but he's so kind or something like that I don't know that's kind of and then and and then they drop their glamour and that's when they see the true version ah right 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 and the beast could be the handsome man but the, yes. the ugly man could be the, the handsome prince. Yes. That's, it probably didn't make sense. <laughs> um, well, it's fine. Anyway. Or, but like the moral of the story is that she thinks that he's more beautiful without his glamour than with it. Mm-hmm. I and... think they could easily throw in a Mulan in there too. That'd be good. Mm-hmm. So then you got a fighter. Oh, yeah. That's true. Well, they're all kind of fighters. Well, yeah. But like. I feel like a princess and the frog kind of thing could be fun, but I wouldn't know exactly how they would do that. I feel like a sleeping beauty could really easily be done. Mm-hmm. She do be sleeping a lot, but like, I feel like they could figure it out, you know? Right. Yeah. Anyway, I, I need to purchase Stars Above because A, the new cover is gorgeous. It's Cinder and Kai just like chilling in the woods and they look cute or whatever. I have the old covers, but the new one, the art is so good. Oh my God. It's so gorgeous. Good. This is cool. Yeah, but it's not like... I don't think it thematically reflects what it's about. I I got a better sense of what the world I was walking into would be like from the new covers than from the old ones. I thought the old ones was like fantasy, not sci-fi. Well, like I knew it was like kind of sci-fi, but I didn't know it was like this sci-fi. I didn't know it was cyberpunk, you know? Yeah. Well, and I think they tried to portray that in the old covers with the fact that her leg has the like. Yeah, they tried. But the I'm not really it, getting but... the whole message from it, you know. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Yeah, because I think they were trying to portray the the more fairy tale aspect of it here, versus mm-hmm. in the new covers, it was the more sci-fi fantasy. Yeah, it was like you know what's going on. This was a bestseller. So here's the beautiful art. But anyway, in conclusion, I would absolutely read another book by Marissa Meyer, and I'm hoping that I can read. Renegades too, because I would really like to read that oh. trilogy. I want to read Renegades so bad. I don't know, maybe see right. Renegades in the near future. Uh, we'll discuss. Hey. Hey. <laughs> we'll see. No promises. <laughs> no promises. <laughs> so last, we have time for one last question. Mm-hmm. If you were a character in the book, what part would you play? I've thought about this. I would be Prince Kai. Really? You said yeah. he was the most boring character. <laughs> yeah, that's why I'm Prince Kai. <laughs> you're uh, not boring no okay no because here's the thing like everyone else has like this really specialized skill set like scarlet's a sharpshooter and a pilot and thorn is like a pilot and a thief and then Cress is a hacker and cinder is like hidden royalty lunar shit kai can talk good mm-hmm. kai is very persuasive and i feel like he that's can, boring can, but very important <laughs> kai can talk good and that's boring but it's very important to both the plot and his character art so I think I would the, be fine. The fact that he wrote his girlfriend's speech to try to win over the Lunars. Literally, when, when he, when he so writes cute. your propaganda speech. He's like, I have one thing I can do well, and I will use it to help you. Literally, that's so funny. That was so funny when Cinder was like, thanks, Kai wrote it. I'm like, of course he did. Right. This poor useless man. He was stuck between a rock and a hard place and there was no wiggle room for him. I know, which is why he's trying his best. I relate to the aspect of, I am just trying my best here. I know I'm not doing very great. I'm not doing like the best job, but trying my best, okay? And that's why I think I'm like Kai. The amount of times he gave like a fuck you through (laughs) just his actions were so funny. His amount of diplomatic (laughs) fuck yous were very funny. And I wish we got more Kai and Thor in action because they kind of like low-key hated each other, but they were like They were so funny together. They were funny about it. Do you want my input on who I think you would be before you answer? Sure. You remind me of Cress. Really? Yes. (laughs) Why do I remind you of Cress? I'm not saying it's the homeschool. Oh my God. (laughs) But okay, no, you just remind me of Cress just in the way that she approaches the world and also- just the fact that she kind of grew up a little isolated, like not to like beef on your upbringing. The fact <laughs> this is that coming I, out worse than I meant to say it. <laughs> the fact, the fact that I romantically idolize the idea of men and not men themselves. No, absolutely. And you're waiting for <laughs> someone to come and like fulfill all your expectations and more and sweep you off your feet in like a I whirlwind will- romance, just like the dramas. That is you to a T. And I'm sorry for roasting you. But I cannot tell a lie to my bestie. 
is that where I like the running crest so much? Bestie, the thought crossed my mind. I think you might be projecting. I'm sorry to break it to you. <laughs> I hope you get your Captain Thorn someday, Bestie. You and me both. Also, the fact <laughs> that she always called him Captain, even though she had to know damn well he was not a captain. Oh, she knew he was a cadet, but she was like, hey, Captain. <laughs> and then the, so the hollow card key being Captain is King. Right? The same key that they use on the ship. And Thorn being like, hey, 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 Right. <laughs> Good times. Good times. Okay. With that, I believe we should move on to ratings. How would you rate this book, Bestie? I'm going to rate this a solid 4.25 out of 5. Where did it lose points for you? Long. <laughs> are, you, are you talking just about winter? <laughs> no. Okay. I am going to say, oh no, I have another word to add. There are two words for why this book loses points. Long and scarlet rough (laughs) not to like roast scarlet it wasn't a bad book i just the romance romance is like a huge part of this series and just having such a weird romance as like a central focus point of the second book just had me go hmm you know i was like hmm about it but other than that very much enjoyed it it was there were some parts where it dragged in winter I think but it's hard not to because I think winter is like 200,000 words which is incredible but also very long they had all the lulls but so they could build everything up man I know there were like a few stories within winter which I'm not complaining about I think it was very well written I just Mm -hmm. couldn't hold my attention for necessarily the whole thing but Mm -hmm. other than that very solid series very solid books thoroughly enjoyed it 4.25 nice who would you recommend it to? I would recommend this to middle school girls that like really liked Disney princesses in their youth, but now they're going through their not like other girls phase. And I would give them <laughs> this book and tell them, if you read this, you'll totally be not like other girls. It's uh, funny. <laughs> even though it was a New York Times bestseller. And I would give the, I would give the, the series to them because I think they'd appreciate how it takes kind of an edger, edgier take on the fractured fairy tale. They're like, yeah, this is gritty and Cinder has a gun. And I think they'd appreciate it. So that's the specific group that I would recommend it to. Mm-hmm. What about you? What, what would you rate this book? I would rate this a 4.5 out of 5. Okay. Just the whole series in general. Each book kind of has a different variant. Yeah. Where would this lose points for you? The fact that there's such a change between the writing style throughout, which is really nice. But it, it leaves me wanting more from the beginning books after getting to the end. And I love the stories and I love what happens in them. But I still want almost like a deeper delve into it. I totally that we see get what you from mean. From Winter than we get from Cinder. So it kind of loses points from there. Because in, in my personal writings, it goes like 4, 4.25, 4.5, 4. You know, it like goes up. And so I think I just lose points because I want more from those beginning books. And that's just because she was figuring out her style, which is, it's fair. That happens, you know? Mm-hmm. That's my personal opinion. Well, thank you for your personal opinion. Oh, All you're right. welcome. Thank you for asking for it. <laughs> I mean, who asked for the podcast? We just gave our opinions anyway. Literally. Uh, <laughs> anyway. Said, we will ask each other if no one else will ask us. <laughs> Literally. That was our line of thought. For sure. Right. Who do you recommend it to? I would recommend this book for mainly girls. I think boys would enjoy this, but I think because of the romance aspect, it's going to be geared more towards girls who are coming in from childhood books into more teen books. Because I think this has such a great transitions between a childhood story into a young adult story mm-hmm. with each book that it's such a good segue into young adult. So I think that is the perfect audience for this book otherwise anyone that loves fairy tales and retellings and cyberpunk i feel like would like this there you have it and those are our recommendations and ratings if you like our unsolicited opinions we do upload episodes bi-weekly that is once every other week not twice a week that is too much reading we also have other socials including instagram tiktok youtube and goodreads You can check us out, leave comments, watch our videos, like our posts, and let us know what other content you want to see from us. If you want to see more content from us, please give us a follow, and you can also drop suggestions in the comments. We might get to them, we might not, but 
suggestions are appreciated nonetheless. They're going on a list for sure. We'll get to them eventually. Eventually. <laughs> We have added a Q&A function on Spotify where you can drop suggestions. Thank you, Stinky Dog, for already submitting some suggestions. We will put those on our list. We so appreciate you listening to our podcast. Thank you so much. And that is a wrap. Which one was that with that winter? Cinder. Cinder. Oh, I thought for sure it was going to be winter. That one's a beast.